Hello everybody, thank you very much for downloading this episode of the Cinema Catch-Up Club. For more information, you can visit the Cinema Catch-Up Club's official Facebook page. Just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club. Or you can visit our website, thoughtjarproductions.com. This podcast is available on iTunes and SoundCloud, and we would really appreciate your subscriptions there, so pick your service of choice. For more information about this and other podcasts we produce, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com. And now, for this week's episode. Hello everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club, the podcast for films that you probably should have seen by now. I'm your host, Stephen Platt. Thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. And this week, it's Oscars week! That's right, and as all of Hollywood get together to try and decide which films are pretty good, uh, we're going to go and look back at a previous Best Picture winner. In fact, we're going to go back to the mythical year of 2018. <laughs> Ah, those halcyon days, so long ago. Yes, we're looking at the winner of last year's Best Picture Academy Award, The Shape of Water. And joining me to review The Shape of Water, we have, as always, someone who has seen the film and somebody who has not. Our guest who has not seen the film, it's Ellen Sears. Hello. How are you, Ellen? I am very well, Stephen. Thank you for asking. Good. It's been a while since you've been on the pod. Yeah. um, Was the last one I was on Die Hard? I think so, yeah. So, so yeah, Christmas time was or last Brand time. New Day. Which one was it? I think it might was, have been Brand New Day. It actually. was Brand New Day, yeah. So just just the yeah. turn of the year. Um, so you know, it's been about a month or so. Anything exciting happened since you were last on? Oh well, actually, Stephen, I got engaged. What? Get out of here! That's crazy. To you, you idiot. Yes, yes, yes. No, that's there we it. Go. Yes. Oh, congratulations! Thank you. Thank you. Love is so nice. Shame yeah. this isn't a Valentine's Day episode you put me on, but never mind. Yeah, no, and that uh, other voice that you can hear, the voice of uh, what I assume is the entire audience, uh, it's Patrick Downs. What up? <clears throat> yo, yo, yes, and uh, yes, now that the uh, parish notices are out of the way that yes, um, Ellen and I are engaged, woohoo. Uh, how are you, Patrick? <laughs> I'm good. And I'm good. Now, you have seen The Shape of Water, yes. and yep. Ellen has not. Yeah. Yep. So, Ellen, what are you expecting from this film? Uh, that's a bit of a loaded question. I haven't actually watched it. However, I have seen a lot of it in like GIF form on Tumblr because obviously being a, an Academy Award winner last year, everybody got very excited and everybody also got very excited about the uh, relationship between the main character and the Fishman monster mm-hmm. thing. So that's kind of my main impression of it. I know that the main character is um, deaf or hard of hearing and I know that there is a Fishman monster thing and it's a period piece, but that's that's the general gist of it. Now, I also haven't seen this film, Patrick, and Ellen basically just summed up everything I know about this film, yeah, uh, yeah. except for the fact that the director is uh, Guillermo del Toro. Um, right. So I'm expecting Doug Jones to be in there somewhere, um, <laughs> o- o- almost certainly as uh, El Fisherino uh, Supreme yes. himself. Um, but in a sort of vague, non-spoilery sort of way, what can we be uh, looking forward to from this film? Um... <laughs> non-spoilery um no it's look it, it is it is a romance uh at its heart it's but it's quite exciting as well um i don't really know how to put it i i i think 
I think at this point everybody knows that it, that it is a, a, a romance. An interspecies yes, romance yes, type good way to, I think everyone knows that by this point. Yeah. So we'll leave that, that, that there. But I don't really want to talk about anything else. I don't really okay. want to say what to expect. It's just, I, I, but I do think it's a very beautiful movie. Okay, so did you, because you saw this in the cinema, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I did. Uh, did you enjoy the film? Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I love this movie. I think this is a really, uh, uh, quite a stunning film, actually. All right. Well, I'm excited and uh, I want to watch it. So shall we just get ready and watch this film? Let's do it. You guys at home, pop in your DVDs and uh, maybe go prepare a couple of boiled eggs as well. As we prepare to watch The Shape of Water. Welcome back, everybody. We have just finished watching The Shape of Water, and I'm joined by my guests Ellen Sears. Hello. And Patrick Dance. Hi. So uh, this was the film which won the Academy Award for Best Picture last year, Ellen. What did you think of The Shape of Water? What I want to know is why you keep pausing after you say The Shape of Water. Is it just for dramatic effect? Uh, let's say that it is. Okay, uh, cool. <laughs> and now I can tell you what I thought of the film. Yeah. All right. Um, it was very pretty. And odd and strangely uplifting for a um, Del Toro film, I think. Yeah, I mean, to jump straight to the end when um, the the creature and um, Eliza. Uh, Eliza have been shot and they're lying there in Strickland's all like, yeah, I've done what I need to do. I was thinking, oh no, it's going to go all Pan's Labyrinth on us again. <laughs> yeah, well, that's my main kind of... Um, del toro reference point because mm. i can't remember when i watched that but it was only a couple of years ago and i was like man this is this is dark jesus christ although to be honest now i think about it this does have quite a few with that ending in particular quite a few pan's labyrinth beats where yeah we never actually it's not explained specifically i think that they're actually fine um, I think it's implied very heavily with the narration and them swimming around wonderfully in the water that yeah. Eliza is alive and that the creature is fine. Yeah. But it, it was kind of that same reassurance that you got, maybe a bit more so than than with Pan's Labyrinth, where even though, and spoilers to Pan's Labyrinth, but we did it like 20 episodes ago, yeah. um, where, where the main character in that is killed, but is then told to have ascended to this heavenly plane that was discussed throughout the film's mythology. Mm. Um yeah, it's an interesting one. Pat, re-watching this, yeah. what what did you think? I mean, I, I love this movie. I still love it. Um, I think it's, like I said, like I said at the start, I, it's, just, it's just a really beautiful film. Mm. Um, the shape of, of, of the fish creature, the design of him, I mean, the shape mm. of him, um, is, is, like, he's quite beautiful. Mm. Yeah. He really it's is. A you little can kind of glowy, see. irridescent thing. And yeah, I'm like, but, oh, like the deep sea fish that glow so they can, like, like can get prey. Of, yeah. You can kind of see why someone would fall for him. Mm. Or, or would know, be attracted to. Would be attracted to him. That's probably a better way to put it. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, well, I mean, I mean, again, going back to the, the, the lights on the fishy, obvious, the fish man, obviously the fish man has got like some sort of regenerative properties, et cetera, yeah, et cetera. But the of, fact that he lights up when he's doing it, 
I'm like, it was just reminding me of like your deep sea anglerfish and things like that. And they do like little lurey things like, look, I'm shiny. Mm. Come and come and come and come, come, come. But in this case, it's like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm yeah. going to do mm. whatever else. But that's, yeah, it was interesting. Yeah. The design in particular is uh, very evocative of um, the, the creature from the Black Lagoon. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. I mean, the whole film is kind of just like, what if the creature from the Black, the Black Lagoon was looking a party? That's essentially... Isn't, isn't, isn't that what Del Toro basically said it was? Well, I mean, there's there's a lot of nods to that particular film. The fact that um, he, the amphibian man came from South America is yeah. very clear nod. The design with the claws and the fins and the way it looks in, in silhouette and in its, yeah. in its shape is, yeah. is, um, is very reminiscent of it. And I think it's... Um, it, it is a beautiful design. Oh, um, yeah. And it's it's... And the it, double it, lids, like the detail on the eyes. Yeah, and and, and oh. after that initial introduction to the creature, when the head's popping out of the weird swampy goo in um, in the lab, mm. I never really felt like it didn't belong in no. that world. I think they did no. a very good job yeah. of, even though it looked very other, it it felt of a piece with that sort of early nineteen sixties yeah. world. Yeah, for sure. Um, it, it and and it is a it is a beautiful film. I think there's. There's a lot to delve through. It's it's a oh, two, it, yeah. it's a two hour film and it is just jam packed yeah. with. Fun. That's the thing. It's it's a it's funny to think that it's only two hours long. Mm. Um, it seemed like it, it was much longer than that, but it went very quickly. Yeah, exactly. By the same yeah, token. You don't, you, it doesn't really drag. It's really mm. no. It's, it's very lean considering just how long it actually is, mm. and just how much story he manages to pack into it. Yeah, I mean the the story essentially is. Um, Two lonely people hook up, and it's great. Yeah. That, that's the really short version. We see this this uh, lady Eliza, who is uh, mute, and we see her day to day life as a cleaner in a secret government laboratory. Yep. Uh, we see her daily routine, which is get up, masturbate in the bath, make some eggs, um, go to work, clean, and she's on night shift as well. Yeah. So, so yeah. I mean, pretty much everyone's daily routine, right? Yeah, yeah, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. I love the fact that. I mean, female masturbation is very rarely shown on screen, whether in, 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 in television or on the silver screen at all, because it's still seen as such a big taboo. And I just love the fact that it was just thrown in there casually, like this is just a part of her daily routine. I was like, yes, well, thank yeah. you. And for me, I, I felt it wasn't um, it wasn't just there because, ooh, ooh, this is naughty. No, no, it wasn't. It really served that purpose of showing that this was a character who was, to all intents and purposes, alone. Um, this is a character yeah. who... Is, is isolated by their inability to speak verbally, which most of the world around her is not interacting with her. She's got a couple of friends. Zelda, who she works with, essentially acts as a translator yeah. um, to, to people who don't know sign language. Mm. She's got her neighbour, Giles, who understands, and that's sort of about it for her. And, and everybody s- just kind of talks at her. I mean, yeah. Giles, Giles, not so much. Um, but it's, it's interesting that she's isolated through language. Yes. She's isolated for the fact she's a night shift janitor. Um, yeah. who's living yeah. alone in an apartment above a cinema that nobody goes to anyway. Yeah. Um, so things like um, her having a routine which she sticks to, things like showing her masturbating are very much just showing that she does not have a lot of contact with other people no. in, in her yeah. life. And it's, it's Which is why when she makes contact with the fish creature, it's all the more important and interesting because you don't really actually see a lot of them interacting it's like a couple of little tiny bits and then it's kind of like lots of implied stuff from far away but you're not like directly seeing it mm. you know yeah, there's, it's, no, it's, there's no actual f- fish sex scenes no no it's not no. even that so much it's more when 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 much it, to my when disappointment it's, i know well, well when it's still in the lab you know you see like one or two things 
where she's actually she, you see the first meeting where she comes in with the egg hmm. and then you see the one where she sort of you see lots of her sneaking in and out of the lab yeah um the one with the music and then the one where um she comes in and he's tied to the podium and whatever else so really a lot of it is you see just her sneaking around but not the actual interaction between them yeah and i like that implication because yeah. one it trusts the audience to go you can they put it together in their own brain as they're watching it and they're going yeah, they're okay. building a relationship cool it also allows uh del toro uh to use the rest of the film to build that world and so yep. we're able to have yeah. the subplots with bob the scientist is actually dimitri the spy and we're able to to get quite a few scenes out he's of that he's a spientist he is a spy. Because nice. he's a scientist as well. Yeah. That's yeah. great. Um, but I love that we got that elaborated and those scenes that are really yeah. tense when you're just waiting for his um yeah. his his co-conspirators to turn on him. And it you just know it's gonna happen the whole yeah. way through. And yeah. you just turned around and just went, Oh my god, did this just turn into a Coen Brothers film? I'm like, yeah, it, it really it felt did. like it, <laughs> the yeah, best, yeah. the best bits of the Coen shot. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, like the, those kind of like sixties spy yeah. spy films. And this is a fabulous example of like good 60s style espionage spy films and uh, yeah. i really enjoyed that subplot of dimitri the scientist who genuinely cares for the um the character the the, the amphibian yeah and um and wants to help save this creature and it's just um it's just really wonderful yeah. I, I just think yeah. it's fabulously well done it's it uh, it kind of shows um the, the those sort of two sides of science you know there's the the cold clinical you know they talk a lot about um killing and vivisecting the amphibian and all that mm. stuff but then there's also that side of of it where there's there's there's, there's an appreciation for the beauty you know of the natural world yeah uh, and i think that sort of dimitri embodies that side of things yeah you know, whereas um I can't remember his name now, but the sort of I guess the the manager of the lab, yeah he's I, sort of a dorky yeah he's very much like get out this is my car yeah <laughs> that yeah that that guy he's mm. he's very much um sort of I, I, he sort of seems to represent the you know the, the establishment mm. you know the, the scientific establishment yeah of it all, you know? uh, Fleming the laboratory's head of security Fleming yeah. Yeah. yeah and he's very much just a toady and is yeah, playing it yeah. beautifully it's 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 just really again I don't think there's anybody in here who doesn't feel like they belong mm. um, no no yeah and even though the film luxuriates a little bit I think it always luxuriates in specific bits to help tell the story so Giles we understand is as lonely yeah as um, yeah well, and he's, he's isolated yeah. because he's a gay man in yeah. early 1960s America. And he's so also he, working as an illustrator when photography is coming he's in. coming in. So yeah. again, he's isolated in multiple ways as well. What, what what I like about this as well is the fact that it takes that like 1950s squeaky clean, like 1950s, 1960s squeaky clean kind of nuclear family uh, pastel life thing and flips it on its head and goes, no, this movie isn't about, you know, the hero of the story isn't, um, what's his name with the fingers? Jesus, Strickland. Strickland. Yeah, th- th- this is not Strickland who would be in, in. You know, in in most other films, like versions of this, it would be his story, and he would be the oh, I'm poor Dunbar, and poor me, poor me, poor mm. me, sort of thing. It's not from the white man's perspective; it's from the perspective of um, a woman who's mute, a man who is homosexual, and 
a, a fish creature who is mm. othered and and Zelda uh, and a woman of color, a woman of color and a, a Russian scientist. Yeah, like, and it's, yeah. And it's yeah. more interesting looking at this not from the perspective of the people who are running the joint, but from the perspective of the cleaners who are coming through. Just like oh, just routine. We'll just clean up this blood off the floor. Yeah. Like it's such a more interesting movie, and that's something that I find a lot when I'm watching a lot of things now is I'm like this would be so much more interesting if it was from that character's perspective and this this film does that and does it beautifully and flips all of those like 50s 60s um squeaky clean kind of image tropes on their head mm. and arguably it's a much more interesting film because of it basically all yeah. the protagonists are people Joseph McCarthy would be spinning in his grave yeah about. exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly like no why and and well and the other person we didn't say which is um Dimitri who is a communist yeah, yeah. In in like early nineteen sixties America, like, ooh. yeah, and it's, I think it's a really um, interestingly told story. I, mm. I had a, I wasn't sure going into this um, about essentially what the story was going to be. You had a sense of what the beats were, you know, that yeah. it's going to be uh, girl meets fish, fish meets girl, they fall in love, that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. But because it's Del Toro, and because it came, we came into this with this being the best picture winner from last year. It's like it must. There must be. Something there must be something more. more to it. Exactly. It can't just be fish. Yeah. F- well, <laughs> that's the thing. I think the fish, the fish sex, kind of meme, for mm. lack of a better word, kind of took hold because it is. Yeah. It is. It is a funny. Mm. Like, you know, and the, the the movie acknowledges that it is a funny a funny thing. Yeah. But, you know when when um Eliza is you know using. Using sign language yeah. to describe to, to Zelda just... how his penis works. Yeah. You know, like, it's a funny idea and the film that's, doesn't shy away from it being funny. That's, that's one of the gift sets, though. Yeah. Sorry on Tumblr. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, <laughs> like, it, it, and I think I think that naturally took hold because, you know, sure. Because it's funny, but also the, the, the images of um, Eliza and the amphibian man being... Um, intimate with each other is is really, it's really stunning. Beautiful. It's not played. It's not played it's to not be played weird or it's not played for laughs. It's not yeah. played yeah. to be uh, weird or, or it's not unsettling. It, it's yeah. and romance. It's, it's, it's not romantic. titillating at all. It's no, not, no, it's not. It's it's shot with a lot of um, essentially with respect for the relationship yeah. and yeah. the 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 two uh, performers. We, we obviously see obviously Doug Jones. We've spoken about before. Yep. He's fantastic as as the fishman with his yeah. physicality. Um, you know, underneath all of the um, prosthetics. The, the, yeah, the prosthetics that he's wearing. So much prosthetics. It's it's absolutely fantastic. But Sally Hawkins as Eliza. Yeah, she's amazing. She's just top notch. Everyone's yeah. really good, but the movie. Um, just sores because of her. Yeah, it hangs. It hangs a, on that a performance. Facial yeah. expressions. Just... But but very specifically with the romance scenes where because she she got naked a few times in this film and, and I, fully, I, fully naked and as I well. wasn't expecting that. Like there's there's full bush going on. Yes, yeah, yeah. That's that's the which official is, rating. Which is yeah. period appropriate. Yeah, yeah. FP for full bush. Yeah, and um, but the thing that um really I I, I think is makes this film really remarkable and and good in that sense is that the respect that is given to that relationship yeah. and it's shot very much almost like true to life where it's like yeah. you know this this is this is what it looks like and then we have the artistic uh bathroom flooded uh scene we have the <laughs> them at that. the end of the film in the canal together um i i think it's just it's wonderfully captured it is a mm. it's a wonderfully presented film and it was just mm. an absolute joy to watch those sequences. Um, and I love the design of the apartments. Yeah. Mm. Just before we move on from the, the 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 romance and the love story and the way it's portrayed and filmed and presented, mm. 
I just want to touch quickly because when we're talking about the her masturbating in 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 the bath and then the sex scenes, well not the sex scenes, but the sex with the fish man and it's portrayal. It's it's a very positive sex positive. Especially film for as the, well. Especially for the 60s. This is yeah, pre, yeah. like, how many waves of feminism and... And, and you know, like, when she's... Sexual when she's, revolution. Yeah, having a maz in the bath, mm. you know, like... It, but it's, all, it, it's there as well to, like, associate sex with water as well, straight away from a... That's know, a good point, yeah. From a, and then from later a on, st- yeah. structural point of view, that's... Yeah. Know, yeah. It's right there, right at the beginning, that... Yeah. This um, isn't just... Um, it, 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 I think they've made a very deliberate choice to to make it an explicitly sexual relationship because yeah. otherwise, because that is such a huge part of, of a romantic relationship. For, for not, not for everyone, obviously, mm. um, but for a lot of people that is a huge part of their romantic lives. Mm. And I think it would have been quite easy for people to fob it off as it... Look, they're just kind holding of, hands yeah, and just doing yeah, that. They're just friends. Oh, he doesn't understand. He's just confused. He mm. needs it. But it's like, no, they are in love and they are having sex. Mm. And yeah. we need to deal with that. Yeah. And we and need to appreciate that it's it's beautiful and, it's and not romantic. Just, and it's also not just the fact that she's a woman in 1962 who is, um, you know, quite visibly, you know, sexually active and da 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 like on her own, but also the fact that she is a woman who is she's disabled and or differently abled and she is still sexually active. Whereas I think that sometimes there's a tendency um for people to sort of infantilize people who who have got disabilities. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. People don't like the idea that Oh no, if somebody's a, if somebody's in a, enjoy sex. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Like, oh, oh yeah. and she's a woman as well. Like she's a woman yeah. and she's disabled. Like and then to go, no, no, she's she's just like any other person. She has, you know, sexual urges and she's gonna do the thing. And it's resented as something that's very normal and just it's kinda like eh. And well, it's something to be celebrated as well, I think. Yeah. I think that's what the film is trying to one of the many things it's trying to posit is that mm. sex is fine and good mm. and normal. Yeah, and and, and, and everybody great. does and every, it. Yeah, again, not, not, everybody, not, not but, everybody, but you know. Not everybody, like, but yeah. like a well, lot the, of people do it. It yeah. does also depict sex in a not healthy way with the character of Strickland and his wife. Well, yeah, oh that's a really God. good point, isn't it? It yeah. juxtaposes that. Yeah. Like, in the, you know, again, massive inverted commas, I want traditional you to be, I want you to be. I want you to be quiet while I'm having sex oh, with you. And he's so put his weird. hand over her mouth. It's his mauled hand over her mouth. Yeah, and then he's talking to Eliza and he's like, the fact that you can't talk, like, really, like, does it for me, really turns me on. Like, basically, he's like, I would totally have sex with you because I know that you can't say anything and I can just basically, you can just lie there and be an object and not say anything. But mm. she, she's, she has sexual agency. It, and yeah. you know what I've just realised as well? I love it. Yeah. What have you realised, Patrick? Well, just thinking about how so many, you know, our our main characters that we follow, the good guys, for, you know, lack of a good better term, guys, the good yeah. guys. No, 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 like the actual ones, like Eliza oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Zelda and, and, and those. Like, they are, um, we, we talk about loneliness and isolation and it's kind of, I don't know, I'm working this out as I say it, so maybe it's not going to make sense. Okay. But they've got it kind of thrust on them. Yeah. You know, they didn't choose to be isolated and, and, and different. Society has chosen that for yeah, them. Yeah, whereas Strickland is kind of trying to make himself isolated. He's trying to build this weird bubble yeah. around him. You know, he's got a loving family with two children and he's got a really successful job and mm. but he doesn't want his wife to talk and he just kind of wants things to be just so 
and he's mm. acting in such a way that he's just distancing he's himself from everyone. He's pushing himself away from everybody. Yeah, it's That's really interesting. interesting. I don't know what I don't know what I don't know what there is there, but it's just something that struck me. I, I think it's really fascinating that Strickland, um, whilst you know, definitely the villain of the piece and not yeah. a character that you can really empathize with massively. He's such a dick. Um, yeah, or such a dick. That's the other way He's to put it. Um, I think, firstly, the performance from Michael Shannon is so oh, good. He's so um, and, but the, the other thing that really stands out about Strickland, though, is Strickland is very much shown as being a, quote-unquote, model American in appearance. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, ex-military, as you say, the nuclear family, um, you know, good job. Uh, Beautiful you know, wife. Buys Cadillacs, yeah. you know, that kind yeah. of... White, tall, you know, healthy... Good-looking yeah. good guy. Yeah. But I think it's... It's re- festering underneath. Exactly. Kind of like his fingers. fingers. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's yeah. it's it's really interesting that... Uh, and, I've got my pussy finger, isn't that what he says? <laughs> he yeah. does say oh, that, God. yeah. Um, got my got my thumb, my trigger finger, and my pussy finger, sir. Yeah. It's just like, oh, I hate you so yeah. much. You're uh, such but a jerk. The, but he's also... Sorry, go on. No, it's, it's, it's really interesting, though, because I think that character is so well explored in this film... And the thing that we see from him um, is is how, like you say, he's he's rejecting this life that um, essentially the Americana is that's being thrust upon him. He eats the candy. He likes the candy, but I, I don't think he really likes the candy. I think it's more just no. out of habit. He said it's the same thing he's had all his life. He buys yeah. the Cadillac because the salesman says, you know, oh, four and five successful future. Americans driving Cadillacs, sir. And I think. It's all false. I think the other interesting thing is that he's quite clearly a Christian character as well, yep. yeah. with his who's very well versed in in Bible stories, yep. particularly the story of Samson and Delilah. Yep. And I think it's really interesting how he ultimately falls down upon this sort of Samson mythology of bringing the temple down upon everything around him, yes. just because he doesn't care about what's been structured around him the fact he looks like he's got the thousand yard stare whenever he's in his home scenes i think is fascinating the yeah. fact that you know he's got he's ha- probably got ptsd like probably yeah <laughs> but he's got he's got happy kids you know and i thought it was really interesting that you know his son was shown as being really happy and gave him a kiss on the cheek yeah and it was like oh that's really sweet his kids are great and you know he's got a wife that as soon as the kids are gone who's like you me upstairs now yeah um and he's just unhappy and yeah he, he we obviously he gets a sort of well-deserved comeuppance by getting, you know, uh, fish fingered. But he, um, he very and much not in the fun way like Eliza was. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Uh, he gets he gets a good uh, throat slash. But um, he, he's um, his unhappiness and how he just can't comprehend what is wrong. I think is so fascinating. Well, what I think is really what I think is happening with him is he is such a product of this. Like you say, this artificial this America. This yeah, mm. 1950s and he can't Americana. Handle thing. when things are just a bit off. Mm. You know, that's why I, while he, while, he, while I don't empathise with him, I do understand him because yeah. you see it from from the general that he's that he's his boss. You know, he's he's been moulded into this, like you say, a perfect American, and he doesn't know and why he's so unhappy. Yeah. and it's, it's such like, a facade. It's yeah. all a construct. And he's struggling, I think he's deep down, he's struggling with that because he doesn't like things that are different. He doesn't know how to deal with them because his entire life has been dedicated to being this Hmm. perfect American, which is not real. And then, and he's struggling to understand that it's not real. You know, he calls um, the amphibian man an affront, Hmm. you know, like he, 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 in his mind, 
this creature does not belong, mm. even though it's clearly there. Yeah. You know, I, I think it's also really interesting that he gets those different aspects sort of stripped away from him. So obviously yeah. the two fingers, which don't take and go rotten and allow him to do that. And that's his wedding ring finger as Samson well. Analogy. Oh yeah, yeah, I didn't think yeah. of that. Yeah, because um, he wears his wedding ring on the other hand. And she returns it. it back. Yeah, him. yeah. Uh, um, he, yes, yeah. Uh, but then also, you know, we see that he's, you know, he's he's... His Cadillac gets destroyed in the, the getaway. He's, um, he's trying to hold on to a life that is just not working for him. It's yeah, I want it. Yeah, and it's not real. It's just it not falls for him. apart around him. Yeah. yeah, and I think it's interesting that he. Yeah, he loses. This is an that. unattainable dream. Yeah, he loses the fingers and is no longer like physically perfect. Mm. Um, he's addicted to painkillers by the end of the film, yeah. um, and we see him doing that. And he's just. Um, I mean, he's an awful person. Oh, he's horrible. But it's an amazing villain for this film. And yeah. I think it's something that... The villain is normal, see. Yeah. Well, it, but it isn't normal to have such a bloodlust for revenge, I'd say. No. But um, the idea... I, th- I think there's that kind of... There is a kind of a sense there of, you know, being normal is not necessarily a good thing. It's yeah. framed in this film as being a very negative thing. I think it's arguing that normal isn't even real. Yeah. Yeah. I think as that's well. more what I think this is more yeah. celebrating no, not even celebrating, but showcasing Everybody's that there are, weird. there are differences yeah. and that they are to be embraced as opposed to rejected for some sort of prepackaged lifestyle exactly. thing. Exactly. Mm. Um and Amen, amen. Yeah, it's yeah, it's not yeah, it's not so much ooh, normalcy bad. It's this sort of bullshit that's being fed to them is not is not right. You know, even no. you know, even Strickland, who's meant to be this model American, is just rejecting it because it's bad for him. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's so his good. His body is just rejecting everything. Like, yeah. Well, it is, like, literally Literally, and physically, yeah. yeah he's... I-, I loved his interrogation of uh, Dimitri, though, when he just puts his finger in his bullet hole wound and drags oh. him oh by the cheek. Oh, my God, that was so good. I love when Del Toro just does little things like that that make you go, I've not seen that before, and it was really gross and amazing at yep. the same time. And that whole interrogation. <laughs> um, you got was... a bullet to the gut. You're dead. Yeah. And it, it just, Brutal. it's so brilliant. It's yeah. so, it, it was reminding me a bit of Reservoir Dogs. Not just, yeah. uh, not just the cutting off of the ear, but all the brilliant monologues that you've got and the fact that he's in the black and white with the red blood. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah. yeah, it was very Reservoir Dogs in the best possible way. And it just spiced up this film nicely. Del Toro's got a better script editor than Tarantino does. <laughs> he, he, he does. But, True. Yeah. But it, again, this film is just lovely. Uh, we haven't talked about um, the cat getting its head ripped off. Oh, my God. Pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. Pretty um, f- I, could, I, could see, I could see why Tegan gets upset with this film. <laughs> <laughs> and we were watching it with a, with a lovely cat in the room who uh, didn't, didn't even bat an eyelid when that no, happened. he's lying. Yeah. He knows it's acting. <laughs> he's just licking his butthole right now. So, you know, he's not <laughs> too phased. Yeah. He's all good. Um, um, yeah. like... Yeah. Oh no, fish man, no. What I liked about that as well. What I did like about that, because I remember when I saw this in the cinema and and he did eat the cat. The cat's just the head. Ate the cat's head. (laughs) And you know, it's um it's Giles's cat. Well Giles has a few cats and it's one of his cats, and it's like, oh god, is this gonna be like the moment where Giles what doesn't want him in the house anymore? Is everything just into shit? But no, Giles just goes like, No, he's a wild animal, it's not his fault. And that's the end of it. It's like, oh, 
Oh, that was nice. Okay, I wasn't yeah. expecting that. You know. Yeah, it's like, you know, it's unfortunate, but, you know... It, it, it's not his fault. He's and just, then you know. we also see the amphibian playing with the other cats later. And it's like, yeah. no, 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 don't do that, don't do that. But it's almost like he's learned <laughs> that they're not a threat. Like, once he's yeah. eaten the head oh. of one of them, he's like, you guys are fine. You're basically yeah. just snacks. You're not, again, you're not, it you're highlights not the, the acceptance of these characters. You know, the characters like Eliza and Giles and, and Zelda, like, they... They're all learning to coexist They're learning with and other. they accept what's happening they accept the differences they don't rail against it and ultimately they they win mm. win probably not yeah. the best word but they come out Teamwork. unscathed yeah they do it's yeah the other thing i think we have to touch on before we get to the trivia though is the pie guy um from the oh what a again what that, a performance though what a performance yeah. giles but... hitting on this pie guy um pie or, or, guy. Or, or, and not initially hitting on him but going oh the guy in the pie store is pretty hot and then when he goes back and he starts to hit on him and the guy just turns on him in an instant like whoa what are you doing and then this or, is a family restaurant and then yeah. it is immediately super racist and it's like okay you're yep. you're yeah i'm sorry i have to say it you're a <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I, I thought that was really interesting in showing Giles's isolation from society. It also yeah. showed yeah. the wider world in which they were up against. But I also think what it, what was really interesting about that performance is mm-hmm. him saying in that first scene, you know, oh, I'm actually from Ottawa and I've got to put on this accent, you know, and it's like, mm-hmm. uh, make sure you come back now and all that. And Giles being enamored with him and having to wear the wigs and yeah. things like that. Yeah. Um, I, I, and then just having all that taken away because Giles... One fell swoop. Giles' oh. initial rejection of Eliza was really interesting uh, because he's like, no, I've still got hope. And then he has his two hopes of his career and a potential love life with the pie guy Boom, done. dashed. Yeah. And I thought they were very well told scenes. Um, and it showed him, no, my actual friend is Eliza. And even though it means I've got to break into a government facility. Um, and, and steal a fish man. Yeah, we're yeah. going to do this. We're going to, yeah. I also loved his wigs. And then the fact he got hair. I know. That was so fun. <laughs> he's like, look, my arm is healed. This is amazing. But, yeah, just him playing with his new hair. Um, I like that, that he gorgeous. didn't have a full head either. No. Like, it was... He had more hair than he does at the start, mm. but it's still not a lot of hair. <laughs> it's not, but I just like... No, but I like that yeah. choice. I like yeah. that it didn't, he, he didn't wake up with a full mane. It was like, there was just a few more strands. He didn't do like a Homer Simpson in that episode. It was, bye, yeah. I've got hair. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Demoxanil. I yeah. remember the name of it. Oh, God. <laughs> it, it, was, it was such a, such a lovely film, though. Before we do also get into the trivia, can I also just make note? Because obviously I have a dancing background. Can mm. I just say, it's so lovely to see. Because obviously um, Eliza and Giles have got their thing where they watch all their old movies from like the 30s and the black and white and all the, you know, that really classic stuff. It was beautiful. But her tap dancing was really top notch. I was really into that. And then they had that lovely um, scene where the song is on and she's signing it to the fish man. Yes. And then it goes into that beautiful 1930s black and white yeah. dancing segment. And I was just like, this is so random. And I love it. Yeah. No, that, that it was, was beautiful. Very like Fred and Ginger. It beautiful. Was so set. good. The band in the background. Yeah, we, we've done almost 100 episodes of this podcast and that might be my favourite moment from any of the films that we've done. <laughs> so it was, beautiful. It starts off quite sad because she's, you know, signing and explaining how they have this barrier and she's about to have to give him up. Yeah. And then the lights, the colour changes to black and white and then all of a sudden we're in that the routine. The light focuses in on her and it goes to black and yeah. white. And then it, yeah. And, that, and that, then you have that beautiful snap, snap yeah. camera shot and she goes from her and her normal life on that set to boom and she's all beautiful mm. and she's in the dress and she gets that moment to be 
a film star from one of those well, and she can beautiful sing. romantic mm. and she can sing and she can yeah and she can tell him how she feels and it's like oh god yes but she gets her she gets her ginger rogers moment we see sally and uh, sally hawkins and doug jones doing some pretty good dancing as well which yeah. is yeah. so cute yeah. <laughs> watching him going oh darling but that that, that <laughs> moment in particular it's just that that two minutes of film was just the thing that made me go yeah this this film deserves all the accolades everything else was brilliant but it just does something that i don't think you'd get in anything else this film was told by another director you i don't think you'd get that that version of her hopes and aspirations and it and it also aligns it again with that kind of um hollywood romantic ideal thing Mm. so it's like you know you wouldn't necessarily see what you're not going to see what was the thing that was um I think I think somebody was direct uh, was interviewing Del Toro and he was said you know it's basically like what if the monster from the Black Lagoon had a chance to actually fall in love with somebody that's kind of a lot of what this film is and it's like you have this lady who is mute you've got she's fallen in love with like a fish monster man and they get to do this beautiful romantic like classic Hollywood romance dance scene mm. it was just really lovely I really enjoyed that. Her dress was so pretty. Mm. Just, it was just oh. gorgeous. Uh, would you guys like some trivia? I'd about... love some trivia. Let's get some fish trivia up in here. All fish right. stick trivia, yes. While filming the scene where Michael Shannon drives to confront Sally Hawkins' character upon discovering she helped the creature escape, Shannon drove his car and stopped outside the theatre, but he forgot to put the car in park. This resulted in the car rolling down the street and colliding with a decorative pole, as well as a foam pole, damaging uh, both the poles and Shannon's vehicle. The production team decided uh, that the take was so well done that they kept it in the film. Amazing. So that was was not on purpose, Uh, but (laughs) it just looked great. Yeah. Amazing, and again, the, the ca- happy accident. The, the Cadillac is a representation of everything that's falling apart around around yeah. his uh, yeah. Strickland. God, I just—it's so well considered. Yeah, it's oh, such yeah, a good yeah. metaphor. And again, a Cadillac is such a iconic, iconic American car. Yeah, mm. so it's a lovely green car, sir. It's teal. Yeah. <laughs> teal. Um, when uh, she was offered the lead role in this film, Sally Hawkins herself was working on a script for a short film. About a woman who turns into a fish. Oh, well, there you go. Weird. So, yeah. Obviously, she'd fish on the brain. Clearly. Director Guillermo del Toro said about Sally Hawkins, not only was she the first choice, she was the only choice. Yeah. I wrote the movie for Sally. I wrote the movie for Michael Shannon. I wanted um, the character of Eliza to be beautiful in her own way, but not in a way that is like a perfume commercial kind of way. <laughs> that you could believe that this character, this woman, would be sitting next to you on the bus, but at the same time she would have a luminosity, a beauty, almost magical, ethereal. Oh, that's so lovely. Mm. Yeah. And I think I think she brings that across. I think she portrays that very well in the in her in her performance. Mm. Mm. She's not she's not necessarily what you would call like classically Hollywood beautiful. Well, not, sort I of don't thing. know. Not a perfume she's commercial. She's pretty stunning. I she think. is. She's she's got such a striking look to her. But mm. yeah, she's not like a. She's not somebody that you would necessarily look at and be like, oh my god, like she's the most beautiful person. She's not like if if you think about like our modern standards of like beauty, and I'm using inverted commas, which obviously the audience can't say, but. You know, she's not fitting into a lot of those boxes, hmm. but she's stunning. Hmm. And she, she really, she's like incandescent in this film. She just glows from within. Hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, it's that, you know, you're beautiful on the inside thing. You, you can see it just shining out from her. It's beautiful. 
When The Shape of Water premiered at the Toronto Film Festival in 2017, the screening was held in the Elgin Theatre. The interior scenes of the theatre in the film were shot at the Elgin Theatre. So if you're in the audience... You're like... Fishman yeah. stood right here where I'm standing. Exactly. Yeah. Oh so my god. That I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's yeah, I like that. That's that a, is great. That's a nice touch. But yeah. Although I would like if at the point where the fishman is stood there, if Doug Jones just See, stood up. I'd like, <laughs> I'd, like, I'd like I'd like the bit where where, where she's flooding her bathroom. Mm. So they can have underwater sex and it, it starts leaking through into the cinema if they actually started leaking like running water down into the audience. Oh my god! Uh, and everyone's like, "What?" Yeah, Gamma master of 4D. Yeah. You know what we didn't? Cinema. You know what we didn't talk about before is that this is set in um, Baltimore, and I was jokingly saying as we were watching it, did like everything in the 60s, early 60s, just happen in like Baltimore because this is also about the same time that Hairspray set, and now I'm just imagining like the crossover, the crossover between like. The Carney College Show, and then like a fish monster. You can just imagine, to the scene. yeah. Good morning, Baltimore. Her throat gets cut as the fish man runs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh. John Travolta and dressed up as that mum. As just Edna, going, yeah. Oh my. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Director Guillermo del Toro wrote lengthy backstories for each of the major characters. Oh, he's such a nerd. I love Some him. of them reportedly running over 40 pages long. Oh, my God. Wow. He just wrote his own fan fiction. After the uh, casting of the roles, he offered them to the actors and said they could choose to use or ignore the backstories for their character. Uh, Richard Jenkins said that he ignored the backstory, stating the only thing that matters is what happens on screen. Um that's the guy that played um, Giles. Giles. Mm. Whereas Michael Shannon said he read the backstory voraciously and found it very helpful in his performance. Beautiful. See, I'm because because I've I've not acted in a while, but yeah, you know, I, I I used to be an actor, and I'm in the Richard Jenkins camp of acting, where um, the only thing yeah the only thing that matters is what the audience is seeing. Mm. The audience can fill in the gaps on their own. Yeah. Um, and you still need to work out your motivations in the scene, but I've never been big on building backstories mm. for me because from, for me, and obviously it's, there's no right or wrong answer, Yeah. but for me, it's always like, well, I don't want to get distracted by thinking about what happened off, off screen or off stage. I want to yeah. know what's happening. But I mean, both actors deliver top notch Well, that's it. That's why there's so, obviously no right or wrong answer. Yeah. It's I think it's just different. I think it's just different approaches. Um, yeah. I like knowing backstory bits because sometimes I feel that that enhances stuff, but I feel like it depends very much on the role. I think the way that Del Toro utilized it, where he wrote it all and then and said, went, "Use it all, don't yeah. use it. I don't yeah. mind." I think is a really good way to go. So well done there. He's really earning that best director Oscar he got yeah, last yeah. year. Um, yeah. One day after completing her demanding underwater scenes for this film, Sally Hawkins flew to London to begin production on Paddington 2, the other oh. hit film <laughs> oh of God. 2017. What a big year for Sally Hawkins. Uh, but her first, That's right, she's the mum in that, isn't she? But her first day on set in Paddington 2 involved her shooting underwater scenes. Oh, no. I just got dry. <laughs> I just got the smell of brine shrimp out of my underpants. Like. <laughs> and now this? You do this to me? God. Mm. As somebody who has lain in the ocean for a film shoot for several hours in the middle of winter, mm. I feel for her. I yeah. really do. <laughs> uh, according to an interview with the National University of Mexico's TV channel, Del Toro said that if this film had flopped, he would have retired from directing altogether. He has said Oof. this uh, both after Pan's Labyrinth and The Devil's Backbone as well, because they are deeply personal projects yeah. to him. And um, yeah, I could, I could, I could see him 
I could see him saying that. I don't know if he would follow Probably through not. with it. Um, but he'd suddenly just be like, "No, I'm gripped with creative if stuff. That, I need that, to do if, the thing." It's that Latin passion mm. inside him <laughs> that makes him say those things. Well, I mean, you look at the fact that a lot of the recent best directors uh, at the Oscars uh, have been people from like Latin American backgrounds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Clearly, you know, that's it. You know, that that sort of background, that sort of hard work ethic, and the sort of cultural passion they bring to these projects, is, mm. it's clearly paying dividends. Well, um, and I mean, yeah. just 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 looking at people from Latin America in general who are in the entertainment business at the moment. I mean, look at Lin Manuel Miranda. Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. like sure. the man's a machine. Mm. <laughs> I mean, The Revenant sucked, but <laughs> and uh, Crimson Peak was well, that was oh. not was a, that was not so big good. old pile of donkey poo. But <laughs> oh, but yeah, Del Toro has more than made up for that with with this yeah. film. The aesthetic in Crimson how Peak. Can, was how can the same fun. guy have directed Crimson Peak and The Shape of Water? Oh. That's what I want to know. Yeah, that was yeah, not a good one. No, we but like no, I'm just thinking yeah. in terms of Oscar winners and stuff because uh, it was uh, Alphonse Cuaron. Is that his yeah, name? Al- Al- Alphonse Cuaron. I like the Revenant. He, he, I already not a good movie. Yeah, no, but see, he also did the third Harry Potter film, which oh, see, that's great. Which aesthetically, it, like in on one hand, I really enjoyed, but also it was such a big departure between like two and three that I'm just like, could we not have bridged this a little better rather than being like. The tone of the first two films is this, and now three, boom, everything's changed. We have a different Dumbledore. You don't like him, and well, I'm going to segue. I'm going to stop. But now. they didn't have a lot of choice with the Dumbledore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Richard Harris kind of forced but that one on. But did they have to have Michael Gambon? I'm, I'm sorry, I just don't like him as an actor. And I'm sorry, Michael Gambon, if you're listening. I'm sure you're a lovely person, but I just don't like you. I'm as, sure he's listening. I just don't like hey, you Michael as Michael Gambon, if you're I, out there, why don't you come so to an episode? Sorry. I don't know why. I okay, just we've wandered like a little bit stuff. away from the shape of water, uh, as always happens when the prisoner of Azkaban gets brought up. As always happens when Ellen is on the podcast. Uh, so let's return to Michael Shannon. Uh, yes. He was at a bar in Chicago, the Old Town oh, Ale House. Yeah, I know this story. Uh, the moment the film won the Best Picture at the 90th Academy Awards. I love that he didn't even go. The bar's owner uh, waited until after the ceremony was complete to post a photo on Twitter of Shannon nonchalantly sitting at the bar alone with a pint of beer whilst watching the broadcast on the overhead TV set. Amazing. <laughs> like, you just chilling here in my bar. Do do do. Oh man, uh, yeah, still you know that's that's a that's a good beer to have. Sat in a bar, film you're in wins best picture. Yeah, yeah. You're just like yes. I'd take that. I, I would totally take that. I just love that he. I mean, presumably he was invited. I, I like that he just didn't go. Mm. Like, like I, don't know. Uh, I got a plans that night. Yeah, <laughs> I got a beer to drink by myself in this obscure bar. Yeah. <laughs> Um, when Del Toro first met Sally Hawkins at the 2014 Golden Globes, he pitched the film to her while. Um, well, he was a bit drunk. He said, I was <laughs> I was drunk, and it's not a movie that makes you sound less drunk. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine? Okay, so I want to cast you in this film, and I want you to be this person, and I want you to be fucking a fish man. And you're going to be like, masturbating, and there'll be eggs. Want to do it? So many eggs. <laughs> it's a fertility message, I don't know. Um, Del Toro's breathing was recorded as part of the amphibian man's vocalization. Oh, nice. And I also... I, with very strong for, for, for me at least uh, whale noises integrated into that initial thing yeah, where he's in the tank shrieky whiny yeah. kind of uh, yeah wonderful sound design is I, that you crying yeah. no just oh god yeah. that guy's such a dick and that, yeah and with the cattle prod just poking him like again Doug Jones nailing it with the physicality but mm. but Michael Shannon just just playing this vicious um, yeah. bastard it's deeply sadistic, yeah. messed up person. It seems to be the only time he's truly happy as well. Which... Yeah, when he stabs <laughs> it with a cattle prod, it's yeah. like, dude, you have PTSD. There's yeah. something wrong in your brain, my friend. You are not right in the head. I'm sorry. You're in a pastel hellscape. Yeah. There is something deeply wrong with you. 
Uh, most of the characters in this film were written with the actors in mind. Uh, Octavia yeah. Spencer said her character uh, was reminiscent of a collaboration uh, between her roles in The Help and Hidden Figures. Yeah. Uh, she also said that uh, she would have played a desk if Del Taro had asked her to. No. <laughs> Which now I, mean, I want to see. Introducing yeah. Octavia Spencer in uh, The Desk. She's amazing. She's great. Victoria. It's not about Octavia Spencer is, is. I mean, again, why am I bothering to say that? They're all brilliant. Everyone's yeah. everyone in this movie. But is brilliant. specifically, her reactions in the scene to Michael Shannon's finger snapping uh, Samson story. Yeah. And then the aftermath of that with Bruce after he's ratted them out because he's just trying to sit down, woman. He's got a bad back. You know, yeah, leave me but alone. He dulled her bad and she's back. like, he's just my a piece of shit. feet are sore. Like, oh my god. And then he like he he slams down the phone thing, and she's yeah. like, no, you know what? You've been quiet for all this time, and you finally decided to speak up to this jerk. Screw you. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah. call them. And I'm gonna warn them. Mm. And I'm like, yes, girl. But yeah, yes. The performance there was just lovely. It was oh, just so wonderfully good. good. Uh, Doug Jones spent three hours every day getting into costume. According to him, it was nothing compared to previous costumes Tell Toro had made him wear for other films. You mean like the guy with their, their eyes in his hands? Mm. And... Man, yeah. Yeah. Because it probably is mostly... Oh, and the fawn as well. He was the fawn in Pan's yeah. Labyrinth. Yeah. Because um, it probably is mostly just like a suit. Hmm. But it's, you know, like it's probably not body makeup. I mean, sure, there's plenty of makeup involved, but hmm. it looks like it's just a... A suit that he just gets in. Mm. You know. But it's more, once the suit's on, they've got a layer on the gills well, that's and I'm, things yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, and put all the stuff on his face so that he can still move it. And as well, I mean, like, are the eyes, are they like a practical effect or is that CG? I feel like they might have been CG. Yeah. And mm. the gills, the way that they moved as well, like, was that all like motorized stuff or was it not? Yeah. How many versions of that suit do they have to have? Because you have to have stuff that can work in water, stuff yeah, that can work yeah. out of water. Like, this is complex you know, like, stuff. I didn't know. I think there was obviously a most of it was practical presumably it looked practical but there was one there was one moment after she'd filled up the bathroom with water yeah and then giles opens the bathroom and all the water comes flowing out mm-hmm. do you notice i didn't notice it when i first saw it in the cinema but i noticed at this time that that water looked pretty fake it, it did <laughs> it was just like yeah. it was just one of those moments where it was like oh that really stands out considering how perfect this movie looks yeah. and how stunning it is it, it, but can you yeah. imagine how how much of a pain no, no, that I set know, would have been know, to do with know, the water but it and just the, yeah, stood no, out yeah. like it's such a like the attention to detail the whole thing just smacks of so much effort i yeah i and, think and perfection and then <laughs> cg so water water mm. comes out it's like mm. oh it looks a yeah. <laughs> I think uh, Patrick makes a very good point when the one thing this film gets wrong is the shape of water. Uh, <laughs> but it was very good. But it was just in that one bit. The, mm. the water throughout the film looked beautiful. Mm. But just, but just yeah. as it was flowing out of the bathroom, it just looked a little mm. off. Look, ev- everything needs improvement. I know. I know. Now we know. I'm just, I'm just fine. I just, it's just funny. Uh, Sally Hawkins researched uh, Charlie Chaplin, Stan Laurel, Oliver Hardy, Buster Keaton, and Audrey Hepburn for her part. Del Toro even bought her a Blu-ray collection uh, featuring those performers for her to watch and study their moves. Uh, cool. Downing. Mm, lovely stuff. Uh, Doug Jones based the physicality on the creature of that, of a matador leading with the hips. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, so... I, I, I was looking out for that because I'd read this specific bit of trivia and he does lead with the hips quite a bit. Even when he's standing still, he's kind of thrusting outwards. Yeah. Again, it's, it's a mm. sexy movie. Very sexy movie. Sex. And Doug Jones has obviously made a living of playing monsters in prosthetics, mm. as it were. And so yeah. nice that he's done... Yeah. And finally, uh, one alternate casting thing. So right. Richard Jenkins oh, yeah. plays uh, Giles. Yeah. yeah. The role was originally written for a different actor, though. 
Uh-huh. Who do you think that role would have been written for? Uh, bugger if I know. I mean, I've got no, it could, could be anyone. Well, very specifically, it was Ian McKellen. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Oh, man. Nah. <laughs> I think... I think. I mean, Ian, Mc... no, Ian McKellen's... Uh... Ian McKellen would have been fantastic, but I feel like it's nice because in this, I'm watching it and I'm going, I kind of have a vague idea of who these people are, but mm. having Ian McKellen in a film brings a certain... Like expectation, gravitas, and gravitas to it. Whereas I like yeah. the fact that I was looking at this and going, like, I don't really know who many yeah. of these people are, yeah, and yeah. I think that can be nice. I think you're right. Ian McKellen's too put together, and and yeah. he's not enough of a hot mess. I don't think yeah. he, I don't think he would have fit the film. <laughs> no, I don't no. think so either. I I I, I, also, would, I also like the idea of him just you know um, drawing the poster and then going. They want me to make the jello green. <laughs> Just saying those <laughs> lines. I don't think it works as well. No, no, yeah. you need it's... someone, yeah, like Richard Jenkins, who can portray that sort of. He's like you say, he's a bit of a hot mess. He's he's just holding it together. He's and I think Ian, I, I think yeah. I think Ian McKellen would have stood out in this. Yeah, totally. For the wrong reasons. For the wrong reasons, mm. he's brilliant. But yeah. yeah, he's he's not the right actor for this part. No, no. I don't think Interesting. so. Mm. So that's the trivia. Before we get to scoring this film, uh, the reason we're watching this film is because it was last year's uh, winner of the uh, Best Picture Academy yeah. Award. The Oscars are this week, which is why we're doing this. So before that, we thought we'd um, we we'd get a prediction from you guys. Oh, Jesus. Of, oh, yeah, <laughs> of who will win the Best Picture nominee. I don't Have even know what's the, nominated. Yeah, I, <laughs> I've got the list of nominees. Uh, I don't think I've seen any of them this year. Yeah. Uh, so, f- th- th- there are eight pictures. Yeah. God, that's a lot. Um, and I just want you to say which film you think will be taking home that gold trophy, remembering that the Oscars are literally like a couple of days after this, so your predictions will be wrong forever. Great. Um, Good to know. But it's also a bit of I predict fun. nothing. <laughs> uh, so, the nominees for Best Picture are Bohemian Rhapsody, The Favourite, Black Panther, Black Klansman, Green Book, Vice, A Star is Born, and Roma. So three of those I haven't even heard of. Yeah. And that's Green Book, Vice, and Roma. Um, Vice is the uh, the um, Christian Bale as Dick Cheney one. Oh, right. Oh, yes. Oh, no, I've seen, see the, I've seen the trailers of that. I haven't actually seen any of these films except for Black Panther. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> Isn't that really bad? <laughs> no. Um, I, I, think, I think it's... Probably, I mean, look, I haven't seen most of them. I haven't seen seven of the eight. I can't. <laughs> um, Me either. Um, so, but but I think it's probably going to be a Star Is Born, just because. Everybody's been traditionally. Traditionally, the Academy likes to pick movies about show business. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's my guess. I mean, that's certainly a strong contender. Mm. Um, the other one in that category, though, being Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. Which, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, I feel like that's not that's not the sort of one. I, I get you know, what you mean. I think I think because yeah. Star Is Born is he's got that sort of more tragic, you know, melo, melodramatic side of things too. Yeah, mm. there's more acting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas you know, Bohemian Rhapsody is more like this is actually like real life people who did real life things. I guess it's going to depend as well. I mean, you know, is is, is Rami Malek 
um, nominated for... I believe he is, yes. Best actor, yeah. But so, so is Bradley Cooper for A Star Is Born. Well, that's going to be very interesting then to see which way that goes. Look, I have, I have, I have no clue. Just to be different, I'll say sure, Bohemian Rhapsody, I feel. I feel like if Black Panther wins it, that would also be brilliant though because it would just be like haha screw you like superhero films and also like that film was great i really enjoyed that film yeah um for for my own uh, prediction um i think there's obviously a lot of talk about the favorite i think what we'll see is maybe olivia coleman get the best actress one which yeah, would be pretty fun that'd be amazing she um she's I yeah. mean, yeah. I mean, Olivia Colman is fantastic. She's done pretty well in the awards so far. I mean, it's a very diverse list. Just the um, the best actress. It's Melissa McCarthy, Olivia Colman, uh, Yelitsa Apritio, Glenn Close, and Lady Gaga. That's a diverse like yeah, very yeah. good we bunch saw of backgrounds. We saw Glenn Close. We did. We so. saw her on Broadway mm. in oh. Sunset Boulevard, which is such a weird musical. But she was very good. <laughs> she was very good. Um, it was terrifying for me. Because uh, I should make a prediction as well. You should. I, then you can also be wrong. Well. <laughs> Maybe. Well, I'm, <laughs> I, well, I'm going to say that they're going to give it to Roma. Um, I have no idea what Roma is about. So Neither cool. do I. But it sounds like you a film that roll, will win. Rolling that dice. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, personally, having I actually have watched the trailers to most of these films, uh, knowing that I couldn't go and watch the films themselves. <sighs> if it was for best trailer, it would be Vice. I love yeah. the Vice trailer. Right. Yeah. It, it feels a little bit like they made a Grand Theft Auto film, but set in the White <laughs> House. It's it's just got a wonderful style to it. But I think as much as I would like uh, Vice, and indeed Black Panther, which I thought was a pretty, pretty damn good film, mm. but at no point watching Black Panther did I go, hmm, best picture? Yeah, I'm kind of, mm. kind of agree. So, yeah, for me, I'm going to say Roma. And... Uh, I look forward to all of us discovering Green Book being the winner of the... Yeah. <laughs> and all of us going, damn, what was that about? No idea. Didn't yeah. even know it existed. What is that film? Uh, yes. Yeah, so all that remains is to score uh, the previous winner. The Shape of Water. The Shape of Water. Uh, the so Shape of, of water. water. Yes. Ellen, you can go first, as this was your first time watching the film. What would you give The Shape of Water out of 10? I'm going to go with... Nine and a half fish sticks out of ten. Mm. Just one of them is just a little bit retracted. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. All right, Patrick. Uh, what about Done, you? Done. Yeah. Um. Ah, oh, screw it. I'm just gonna give it ten bathtub wanks out of ten. <laughs> um. Mm. Yeah. It's. I. I think it's. It's just such a. You know. I, I. I like to rate movies in how they make me feel in the moment. Yeah. And. I it just holds me from the get go. I think mm. it's beautiful. It's the acting is stunning. The design is sensational. Mm. The story is just oh, it's it's it you know heartbreaking, but also beautiful. Affirming. Everything about affirming everything about mm. it just works for me. And I think it's it's just a stunning achievement in filmmaking. It's, it's really good. I um I also really like the film. Uh, I'm I'm gonna go a little bit lower on the score but that's mm. not that's not because i i had a significantly worse time uh i i just think it's it's a really lovely film um i i i enjoyed it immensely i would highly recommend everyone go see it um if you have not yet already it is it is a really good time um and my yeah it's not a perfect film for me and it's not just because of the weird water uh, cgi <laughs> we're discussing um but it's it's up there. It's a really, really great film. So I'm going to give it... I'm going to give it 
eight and a half decapitated cats out of ten. Um, is it decapitated if the head wasn't chopped off? It was chewed off. It looked pretty chopped. It looked. That's a good point, actually. Yeah. Okay. It wasn't really decapitated. Decapitated, in my understanding, was always the head is severed from the body. It wasn't really. Patrick, any thoughts on decapitation? Oh, <laughs> uh, not really. Okay, well. I feel like I feel like it was just chewed. Okay, well, eight and a half uh, headless cats. Yeah, that works. <laughs> out of ten. I'm happy now. Let's go with that. I mean, I'm not happy because the cat was eaten. Oh, was it was so gruesome as well. Oh, it was so <laughs> gruesome. I was like, oh, I loved no. he just had a little bit of blood on his chest in the next scene as well. Yeah, like he hadn't just... fully cleaned up. Oh my God. Also, like if you if, if you notice that um, <laughs> when she runs down to find find him in the cinema and she leaves Giles there, you can just see the dead cat in the background as well. Yeah. Like she's obviously got no nothing to nowhere to put it. Yeah. So he's just had to leave this poor dead cat, headless cat, lying on the floor. I was just oh like he turns to one of the other cats, focus, just know. turns to one of the other cats and goes, "You're lucky." Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode. Um, Ellen and Patrick, thank you very much for watching The Shape of Water with me. Thanks for having me. Ah, oh, you're welcome. Fish dicks. And for those of you listening at home, thank you for tuning in as well. If you enjoyed this episode, guess what? We've got a buttload more. Uh, you can go to our back catalogue and listen to the other 96 episodes of the series so far. Just search for The Cinema Catch-Up Club on iTunes, SoundCloud, or other podcasting and podcatching services. Uh, we are also on Facebook. If you want to leave suggestions for film we should watch or tell us, uh, you know, your favourite amphibian animal to try and have sex with potentially, just do that. And if you want to uh, become an official member of the club and get some bonus content material, then all you have to do is go to patreon.com forward slash CCUC podcast and get some bonus treats there. But extra that's... fish dick for you. We cannot guarantee there'll be extra fish dicks, but why don't you sign <laughs> up and find there's out? some fish dicks? <laughs> there might be. <laughs> but uh, that's all for this week. So uh, until next time, goodbye. You have been listening to a Thought Jar Productions podcast. For more information, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com.